It is that time now once again For getting lumped up with my friends It's rock a mic And Rob that you should know And you'll find them here on the rock show gentlemen welcome to another exciting episode of the rock show this is episode 134 and we have a very special band that we're about to talk about and this is gang of four um mike what you got for me tell me a story hello everybody rock and mike here yeah gang of four we're talking about and um very influential band uh, a lot of people you know point to them as as an influence um, I think that they were, you know, one of the one of the best bands to come out of that scene in the UK in the 70s. Uh, their first two albums, I'm a big fan of uh, Entertainment and Solid Gold. Uh, but they had an interesting career. Um, you know, a lot of their lyrics are very political. They're probably one of the most political bands to come out of the scene. And uh it's just it's just very interesting how they how they got started how they carried on, and um, you know Andy Gill unfortunately uh, the guitar player he he passed away last year so yeah. I don't I don't think we're gonna see Gang of Four anymore. But was uh, it from COVID? Yeah, they they think it was COVID. Yeah, Damn. I mean it's no one. He was like an early victim of it, so they're not really sure. But he had the symptoms. All right, let me ask you another question. So when you look at the years active for them, they were very active from 1976 to 1984. Then they were active again from 1990 to 1991. Then they were together 93, 90, 95. And then they didn't do shit for many years. And then between the year 2004 to 2020, they were all together again. Yeah, uh, they had a brief reunion in the early 2000s, uh, and I did get to see them at that time. So, Oh, you did? Yeah, once. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, but right after that reunion, that final reunion, um, King and, and Gil had a big falling out over the direction of the band. And King would take the band forward. Not, I'm sorry, not King. Uh, Gil would take the band forward on his own as Gang of Four against John King's wishes. And he made some albums as Gang of Four with like guest musicians and stuff like that. I'm not too much of a fan of that stuff. Uh, some people like it. Some of it's okay. I, I, I don't, I haven't heard a whole lot of it, but uh, you know, but that initial, you know, late seventies, early eighties lineup and albums are great. You know, that's really what you should be paying attention to. Yeah, that album Entertainment was pretty good, and that oh, yeah. first single that um, Damage Good, that single was like number one, like in the indie charts. Yeah, yeah, it did very well on in the indie charts. Uh, John Peel, our favorite DJ from England, and we talk about it all the time. He, I he, he music. yeah, I mean he he took a, a, a you know a liking to them right away, and uh, we'll talk about all that. You want me to get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Give all me right. some information. All right. Now, Gang of Four was an English punk band, sometimes referred to as a post-punk band. And what I mean by post-punk is, you know, you had your period in the mid-70s, 76, 77, when punk started, and that was the, 
you know, official punk era, 676, 77, 78. When you get into 79 and 80, the sound changed. And a lot of the original bands weren't even around anymore. Or they morphed into other things. But you have uh, an example like Gang of Four that really got started in that punk scene, but didn't really, you know, make it for a couple of years until all these other got, bands were kind of gone. Okay, and they were left standing and uh, not that they couldn't hold their own. I think early on, you know, they were just as good as, you know, the Clash and stuff like that. And uh, they changed the game really as far as their sound. Okay, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit. Now, they were formed in the city of Leeds in England and the original members are singer John King guitarist Andy Gill, bass player Dave Allen, and drummer Hugo Burnham. Um, and again, you know, probably alongside The Clash and Crass, if you remember Crass, uh, the three of them were probably the most political bands on the English scene. Now, the band played a mix of punk rock, funk, and and what I mean by dub is uh, a lot of like just beats, like reggae beats, and uh, with their lyrical emphasis is always on social and political ills of society. That was what they pretty much sang about. Now, their debut album, Entertainment, is one of their best debut records of all time, in my opinion, um, and in the top 10 albums of the UK punk scene in general. Okay, now, David Frick of the Rolling, of Rolling Stone magazine, a uh, critic that I have a lot of respect for, he described Gang of Four as probably the best politically motivated band in rock and roll. All right. Wow. So John King, you got to know who these guys are a little bit. All right. John King was born on June 8th, 1955. In Wait, a, Mike, before yeah. you start that, you know sure. what? I was looking them up. I kept getting the group of Chinese people. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. Okay. Yeah. Google, Google, Google messes that up. I'm going to talk about that, how they yeah. got there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because when I first, I was like, what the hell is. Yeah, that's okay. how they got their name. You give me a whole Chinese group? I thought these yeah. guys were English. <laughs> no, no, no. And the Chinese group has nothing to do about music. <laughs> no, but, I figured that out quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I'm going to explain how they got their name. I just want to okay. give a little history on John King and Andy Gill. All right. Um, King was born on June 8, 1955, in the Southwark section of London. Now, he attended the Seven Oaks School along with Andy Gill. They would meet there. And um, they were interested in a, in a movement, a political movement at the time called the Situationist International. OK, this um, Situationist International Movement, or SI, as it was called, was a big influence on John King's lyric writing. And um, basically, it was a movement of social revolutionaries consisting mostly of avant-garde artists, intellectuals. Uh, college students, uh, political theorists, and it was very prominent in most of Europe between 1957 and 1972. The SI members believed in a kind of like libertarian Marxism. They, they were influenced by the Dada and surrealism movements of the early 20th century, which was a very avant-garde art scene of the time. Uh, they also believed that capitalism had changed since the times of Karl Marx when he was writing 
but they still prescribe to many of the Marxist theories. And often these theories and tenets of Marxism kind of creep into King's lyrics a little bit. Basically, he's a communist. Uh, yeah, basically. Okay, I don't think you could, you know, I mean, the SI movement was kind of a mix of communism and libertarianism in a way, which is kind of strange combination. Um, basically, they were Marxists. I, I really couldn't call them anything else. Now, um, Andy Gill was born on January 1st, 1956 in Manchester. Um, he met, like I said, John King at the Seven Oaks School. But, you know, he was already an established guitar player. And once the Gang of Four was put together, he quickly became a very well-respected guitar player on the scene. Uh, very angular, very jagged, quirky kind of guitar playing, but very consistent, okay? And in time, he would be known also as a great record producer, working with bands like the Red Hot Chili Peppers later on, the Jesus Lizard, uh, the Stranglers, Killing Joke in the 80s. Um, you know, That's an impressive list. Very, very. And, and, and he cut his teeth in the studio, you know, with Gang of Four. Uh, King and, and, and Gil and some of the other members also were very involved with the productions for most of the albums. Now, uh, Gang of Four, like I said, started in Leeds and they actually had a, a, a different, um, a different uh, bass player at first. They had a guy named Dave Wolfson who would do about two or three gigs and then get replaced by Dave Allen on bass. So you have John King, Andy Gill, Hugo Burnham on drums, and now bassist Dave Allen, which would be the core of Gang of Four. The main idea of the band was social change and social criticism. And they wanted to do that within the punk rock genre, within that you know two-minute song. They wanted to do that, Okay. They got their name, and this is how you got how you came up with it online when you looked it up. Yeah. They got they got their name when when uh, Andy Gill and John King were driving around with uh, Mekon's member, another band, a uh, guy named Andy Corrigan. They came upon a newspaper's billboard on the party coup against China's so-called Gang of Four, okay, which was a group of it was a, it was a part of the communist party uh a gang of four members i i wish i could tell you more i don't know a whole lot about it but very political um and they decided oh gang of four great name with four guys gang of four so the name stuck and just it went from there now they were able to get signed right away to uh, a small indie label called fast product um their first single it was really more like an EP. It was three songs. It was called Damaged Goods. And you had Damaged Goods on the A side. And then two tracks on the B. One called Armalite Rifle. And the last one called Love Like Anthrax. And uh, that's one of my favorite songs from them. Love Like Anthrax is one of their like most well-known songs, too. But the uh, Damaged Good was a big hit. Yeah, yeah, it was. the time. Yeah, it, it came out October 13th, 1978 on Fast Product, and immediately critics picked up on it. Uh, they said, wow, you know, we got something different here, okay? Um, they're doing something political within that, you know, two, three-minute song. The Clash had done it, 
Okay, Crass had done it. They were they were doing it around the same time. Um, but there was something different about Gang of Four. Whether they, I I, I don't know. They're, first of all, I I always felt their records sounded very good. Maybe they these guys were just good in the studio producing. Uh, they really sounded very good, and uh, for most of them, and um, they had a, a funky bass beat, bass rhythm. Okay. And uh, I think that combination of Dave Allen and Hugo Burnham is one of the best rhythm sections in punk. Okay, really, like uh, wow, yeah, I would say that. You know, I mean, there's very few bands that you punk bands that you think of as like a fantastic rhythm section, and that would be one. You know, now John King on the song "Damaged Goods" he rants about kind of like sexual politics, and it's all over this baseline hook that Dave Allen has that's almost danceable. It's almost like a funky rhythm with this like punk rock guitar. It was something that was new. Okay. And uh, that song is probably, you know, out of the earliest stuff, the closest they could get to a pop single. Okay. Um, They really weren't writing pop songs. No, uh, they never had like, you know, a number one or anything like that. But there's just something poppy, danceable about that song that, you know, attracted everybody's attention. Critics loved it. And um, yeah, but you know, when you when you do a song like that, that's poppy and catchy, you know what? You're no longer a punk. You're popular music. <laughs> well, yeah, I hear you. OK, Um but they would do, they would, they were, I don't know. They, they, it was a small label, small release, yeah. you know, uh, really it was, it was geared towards, you know, remember this is kind of post-punk. So it was mm. a time, it was a time when it was like, okay, what's next? Okay. You know, you had, you had your pistols, you had your clash. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all the other bands that came at that time, X-Ray Specs. Oh, yeah. You know, bands like that. Uh, and even even they were doing something different. But uh, the, the, the funk bass lines on that song would change the post-punk sound forever, okay? Yo, yeah. you, had, you, had, you had bands like The Fall, okay, who were kind of listening to, to Gang of Four. You could tell, okay? The Fall is known as a post-punk band, even though I think they were around a little bit earlier as well. And another band, like I, I've mentioned a couple of times, is The Clash. Because if you listen to some of the stuff they were doing around 79 and 80, uh, yeah, they were listening to Gang of Four. You could hear it. Okay? Stuff off of, like, Sandinista. Yeah. Okay? That yeah. album, you know, definitely is influenced by Gang of Four. I mean, they admitted it. Okay, anyway, you know, it just it, it, was, it was commonly known. Now, if you look at the singles art co- art cover, okay, uh, it, it's basically relate, related to their influences on situationism and also deconstructionism in its bold block letters, okay? You look at it now and you're like, okay, no big deal, big block letters. But there wasn't that kind of graphics on records in those days too much, Okay. The punk scene had changed. That's one of the things that, that, that the punk scene did, especially the British punk scene, is like these very influential album covers. 
Okay, when you just look at them, and they, they were original, just in the lettering. I mean, you look at the Sex Pistols album. Never mind the bollocks. It's all just little. Yeah. It's all like little pieces of paper with the letters on it. And no one made record covers like that ever. So you know, it's, you know what's funny? People would buy sometimes, believe it or not, people might even buy a freaking album just because it's a record cover. Oh, of course, especially then. You know? Yeah, definitely. You go, what the hell is this? You know, this is interesting looking. You know, so, Mike. Let me ask this question: How how um how many uh, how good were these guys live? To tell you the truth, were they <clears> well, live? I saw them. I saw them once, and they you know they had already been around for twenty years. Okay, when I got to see them, um in the in the early when they reunited, um they were great live. From what I from wow. what I've seen of them online, and you know heard live stuff from them, very good. Uh, but again, I, I, I have to emphasize the early, early period with them because I'm not so much a fan of the, you know, mid eighties, early eighties, like 84, 85 period with them. Uh, they would kind of break up at 84 anyway, but they, they, I don't know. They, they would come back. They would, they would be back in form again and then they would change and it, very, very different kind of band. Uh, I think it would be very hard to be a big fan of them. Because they, they they did change so much and they weren't always consistent, but yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but uh, you know DJ John Peel, who we always talk about, he immediately picked up on them. All right, and yeah, he made Damage Goods a number one indie hit on his radio show. Okay, yeah, because it's a great song. Yeah, it's a great song. Now they recorded two Peel sessions, John Peel sessions. And they immediately got British and international attention and became known for very incendiary live performances. So the strength of that first EP got them signed to a major record deal with EMI. That happened in 79. Now, the group's debut single on EMI was the song At Home, He's a Tourist, which charted well in 1979. Then they were invited to perform on top of the Pops. And I think this was a very pivotal point for the band uh, because I think to this point, I think they were really ascending. They, they were on their way up. Critically, they were acclaimed and they were known for their live performances. John Peel was pushing them. They just got, you know, picked up by EMI. Uh, you know, and EMI was always kind of touchy with the punk scene. You know, they signed the Pistols for five minutes and then bought their contract out after they wrecked their stu- they wrecked their offices. <laughs> <laughs> so they were always like a little, you know, worried about dealing with punk bands. But yeah, what happened top of the pops? Yeah, well, did, did, what happened was they, they were the... invited. They were invited on, yeah. right? And they were supposed to sing the song um, At Home, He's a Tourist. And there's a line in there where he mentions a rubber, meaning a condom. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, it was it, they, the, the BBC who, you know, censors everything, uh, still does. They, they felt it was too sexual to sing that word, rubber. So they asked if, you could, if he could sing the word rubbish. instead of rubber rubber. and basically they were like fuck you and walked off the show they never didn't record anything they just left 
That probably uh, fucked their career up. Well, yeah, I mean, because what the BBC did is, is, you know, they banned the single. Okay, right away. They banned it. Okay. I actually kind of gave up supporting them. They didn't drop them. They didn't do that. But they didn't throw the, the full support of the label behind them, which I think, I think hurt them early on. It was kind of like having your, you know, having your, your, you know, your legs cut off at the knees when you're about to yeah. start a race. You know, you, 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 you were about to really, you know, going on top of the pops was a, um, being a John Peel band was a big deal. Okay. And the single was starting to chart well. It got it was well enough for them to get invited on. Usually you gotta be pretty much top forty or thereabouts to get on that show. Okay? Yeah, it's a tough and they would have had a lot of exposure because they were really kind of, you know, touring in England. They really hadn't gone to too many places. And it would have been it would have been a big, you know, it would have been a big exposure for them. But it they would have been a huge boost. Right. And they, they walked off the show. And I, I you know, I understand that, you know, your your artistic uh privilege, you know, really you're just, you know, this is my lyrics, I'm gonna sing it. Okay. I mean they could have did what Jim Morrison did on Ed Sullivan and just oh, sang yeah. it anyway. And, yeah. and and went and went with the exposure because it was live. They weren't gonna pull it. Okay. I mean, you might get banned right after that, but at least everybody got to see it. So I don't think walking off was the smartest thing to go. Now, um, John King's lyrics were always controversial. And uh, in fact, there would be a single later on that would get banned called I Love a Man in Uniform. And it was uh, banned because of the, the lyrics related to the Falklands War in 1982. McCrass got in trouble for songs like that, too about the Falklands War. Uh, now, next would come, they would release what was called the Yellow EP. It was untitled. It just said Gang of Four on it. And it was on a yellow background with block letters in, uh, in black, I believe, saying Gang of Four. And that came out in October of 1980 on Warner Brothers, okay? And it, they were still with EMI. Okay, now I, I I don't know how they pulled this off, to be honest with you, uh, because they were signed to EMI, but then released this on Warner Brothers. It was songs issued as singles by EMI Records in the UK. Now it's known as the Yellow EP because of the color of it, and it was self-produced, and there were um, tracks on there like. <laughs> Outside, the trains don't run on time. <laughs> uh, he'd send in the army. It's her factory. And then there was an earlier version of Armor Light Rifle from earlier than what they had from the uh, damaged goods. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they put this out. And uh, it did okay. It kept them kind of, you know, afloat. And then it would be time to record a second album for EMI. And this would be called Solid Gold. And it was released in March of 1981. Now, American producer Jimmy Douglas, whose production credits included The Stones, Roxy Music, Genesis. Okay. Wow. Yeah, he was brought in to help the recording. Uh, Gang of Four also got a production credit, but it would be like a team. Okay. Now, this album is great. I mean, the first track is a song called Paralyzed. Okay. 
which is cool. Um, a song called If I Could Keep It For Myself. There were new versions of the yellow EPs outside the trains don't run on time. And he'd send in the army. Okay. They, they re they redid those two for the EMI second album. Now the main themes of the album were kind of like, um, these paradoxes of war. Okay. Where you could have work and leisure uh, at the same time as everybody's at war. It was a lot of political stuff going on in the lyrics as usual. Uh, critically, uh, the album Solid Gold was acclaimed, okay? Uh, writer Van Gossi of The Village Voice actually said, Gang of Four embody a new category of pop, okay? So they were doing something still very original, very new. Yeah, even the freaking Village Voice was talking about them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were starting to get, um, you know, American interest, uh, they were starting to get, you know, in the, for, for people that knew music, you know, they were like, hey, check out this new band from England. And uh, they, were, they were starting to get a little buzz here in America. Now, bassist Dave Allen, who would later co-found the band called Shriekback, would leave Gang of Four in 1981. Uh, he was replaced by Busta Cherry Jones. What okay. name? Yeah, okay. And uh, he had played briefly with Parliament and Brian Eno and the Talking Heads. Uh, Buster Jones also wrote, I believe, and produced the song Chasing the Night on the Ramones' Too Tough to Die album in 1984, a couple of years later. Uh, I believe he wrote the song. I know he produced it. Uh, he's a, that whole album was produced by Tommy Ramone, but he gets the one production credit, I think, on that song. Uh, interesting person. You know, he's played with a lot of people. Good bass player. Yeah, he played with Potterman, Brian Eno. Brian Eno, yeah. Yep, yep. And Jones, okay, was brought in basically to do the North American tour, okay? They had obligations to tour America, I believe Canada, uh, and they would do, you know, this tour with them. And he would leave right after the tour. Now, he would then be replaced by female bass player Sarah Lee. Wow. Great, great name. Sarah Lee, like the cake. I okay. love those cakes. Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> she had played with Robert Fripp in the past. A fantastic guitar player, Robert Fripp. Um, they, they, you know, she had a pretty good pedigree, and, and she could also sing. Okay, She had a good backing voice for the band. and uh, would be a big asset on album which she would be on called songs for the free now emi brought in producer mike uh howlett to assist in the production and this album would be released in the spring of 1982 all songs were written by andy gill and john king now the difference on this album was sarah lee's excellent backing vocals uh the single i love a man in a uniform would be notoriously banned by the bbc during the Falklands War, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, but other tracks like The Brains, Call Me Up, and The History of the World would be standouts on that album. Now, I think like that's you know their last great album. Oh, Every their last good album. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good album. But like, you know, these three are like pretty solid, okay? Um, you could see with this last one, they were kind of going in a new wavish little different direction, but I kind of like it. 
it's it's not all the way there yet. But um, what would happen is after this album came out, Songs of the Free, drummer Hugo Burnham would leave. And uh, he would start a band called The Illustrated Man. Now, Gill and King continued on and would release the album hard in 1983. Uh, yeah. Sara Lee was still on bass, okay, for that album. But they used a drum machine, okay? And the album is very new wavy, dancey, in that 80s kind of way that we all remember, okay? And uh, the one track that was sort of a hit was the, was the song, Is It Love? You have a chance to listen to that? Um, no. <laughs> if, you put it, if you put it on, you'll be like, oh, God, I remember this song, okay? Um, to me, it's the most memorable track off that album. I, I, I'm not a fan of that album, but uh, that was the one that I think got on the radio. Now, after this album, Gang of Four broke up. Um, wow. Sarah Lee would move to America and work with a bunch of people, including the B-52s. So she went on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Um, in 1986, the Peel Sessions that were done with the Gang of Four would be released. Okay. And these were the recordings done between 79 and 81. Now, seven years later, in 1991, Gill and King reunited to record a new Gang of Four record. Okay. This one was called Mall. Mall, M-A-L-L, like the shopping mall. Yeah. On bass, they had uh, Gail Ann Dorsey. She was a, a bassist from Philly. Um, she was just, uh, she had been around, okay, but, but she would go on to play with David Bowie later on, okay, and be in his band for many years. I think, uh, I think until he died, okay, in, in, what was that, 2006? Yeah, uh, 16, I mean, 2016, I think he passed away. Yeah. Um, now, the drum duties on this, they didn't go to a drum machine this time. They went, uh, they kind of split it between a guy named Frank Tonto, uh, Martin Ford, and Neil Wilkinson. Also, uh, Steve Monty and journeyman drummer Blair Cunningham. He'd been around for a long time. They kind of all took turns playing on different tracks for the album Mall. Yeah, now, journeyman is just a guy that played with many different bands, different, right? Right, many different people. Now, Maul is a very slickly produced, synthesizer-heavy, funk-heavy kind of album, different than what they had done in the past. It's not so much of that quirky guitar work anymore on it. Uh, the lyrical focus, once again, was political. And uh, in particular, there's a song called FMUSA that's about the Vietnam War. Now, wow. Shrink Wrapped would be the follow-up to that in 1995. Uh, it was their sixth album. And this time, the critics kind of turned on the band. Okay, uh, Critics claimed that the album was a big disappointment lyrically, musically, and production-wise. So they wow. just, they shit all over that. Yeah, right? they shitted on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you know, time would go by uh, quite a few years. Uh, a change was needed in the band, but it wouldn't happen until 2004 when they decided to get the original lineup back together. And again, John King, Andy Gill, Dave Allen, and Hugo Burnham reformed in November of that year. Um, there was a UK, Japanese, European, and a US tour followed in 2005 that's when i got to see them okay uh very cool show 
Um, they were, you know, emphasizing. If I remember right, I think they did almost every song off the first two albums. Yeah. Okay. Uh, very, yeah. very, very cool. Very cool. You know, um, they also came out with a new release in late 2005 called Return the Gift. And at that point, uh, Hugo Burnham did not record with them. Uh, they had a guy on drums. Um, it was basically uh, Return the Gift was a re-recording of old songs from Entertainment, Solid Gold, and Songs for the Free. And mm-hmm. it had some like remixes in there too. So it was kind of like, you know, same guys doing old sh- their older stuff, re-recording it. Now, yeah, re-recording it. Yeah. Now, a few years later, in January of 2011, Gang of Four, who now had Mark Heaney on drums, in, in those years in between, they would tour. Okay, uh, they did come back. I think a couple of times in the New York area between 2005 and 2011. I think I can remember seeing that. Uh, but uh, Mark Heaney was now officially on drums. They had a guy named Thomas McNeese on bass. And they released an album called Content, which many felt was a return to form. And oh, uh, yeah. their best album in years. And uh, I remember when it came out, I had given it a listen. Somebody I knew had bought it. And I thought it was decent. Uh, I wish that Dave Allen was still on it and you know Hugo Burnham. But it was, these new guys were good, and uh, it, it, you know it's definitely better than the stuff they had, you know, done like their fourth, fifth album and stuff like that. So they ended up having a, quite a few successful tours in 2011. Yeah, um, they traveled all over the place. Yeah, but but it would fall apart because John King and and, and Andy Gill would have a falling out over the band's direction, and they would just decide to stop working together. All right, so, you know, you talk about 25 years, okay? So between 2012 and 2020, guitarist Andy Gill toured and recorded albums under the name The Gang of Four. And it was really against the wishes of John King. John King did not like this, okay? Uh, You know, I think they, I think Gill sang some songs. I think, uh, they had other guest stars on the album. I, I, I'm not too familiar with these albums, uh, but, uh, you know, they basically, one, one album is called What Happens Next, came out in 2015, uh, an album yeah. called Com- Complicit in 2018, and then a song called Happy Now in 2019. And they were all recorded with Gil. He was producing and uh, basically with a range of, of guest artists all over the place. Um, you know, sadly, Andy Gill would die in February of 2020. Uh, he passed away from multiple organ failure and pneumonia. Okay. Which many now believe was probably COVID-19. Uh, and he would have been a very early victim of the virus in February of of 2020. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see gang of four around anymore, uh, unless John King wants to take it out with just him. I don't. I don't think he will. But well, you can knows? change it to Gang of Three, <laughs> Gang of One, Gang of One. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and I want to thank Mike Nielsen, uh, regular bartender, also at the at Ivar, and uh, and 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 he kind of put it in my. He planted the seed for me to do this short little show tonight on Gang of Four. 
Uh, unfortunately, Mike couldn't come on. I was hoping he would, but that's okay. I love him anyway. And um, that's all I got for you. Yeah, wow, man. It was good. It was a short and sweet episode. And you got to lie. You, you pretty much got through the whole history of all the years together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think everybody should check out entertainment. Check out Solid Gold. Uh, you know, the third album is okay. Uh, what the hell Entertainment just got remastered. I was listening to it. it. Sounds fantastic. Did they? Re- yeah, I haven't had a chance to hear that yet. Yeah, yeah it just got yeah. remastered. On it, it was on. If you the remaster, they got it all on. Um, right. On what's it called? Apple iTunes. Okay. Yeah, and so- songs for the freak. The third album is is worth a listen as well. Yeah. Everything after that is kind of spotty, um, but uh, they were a good live band, and and you know I think Andy Gill is kind of an unsung guitarist from that genre. Uh, I do like what he did. Um, next week, we're going to talk about Wire. Okay, the band Wire. And, I, you know, some of the early Gang of Four stuff, I think, can be comparable to what Wire was doing, too. Wow. Okay. Uh, why? No, I'd say wow. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. No, I mean, uh, Wire is going to be a, a much longer show. they got a long history. I just saw them. Uh, me and Sandy went to see them. Oh, God. It was right before everything shut down. Uh, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah I, bought, I bought tickets from Neil. He had two extra tickets. Neil Magenson? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, it was over in Brooklyn. They were really good. I'll, I'll be talking about Wire next week. They're an interesting band. So, anyway, if you're looking for me, you could find me on Instagram under Rocker Mike 212. Rocker Mike 212. You can find me on Clout Hub under Rocker Mike. You can find me on MeWe under Rocker Mike. And of course, I'm on Facebook uh, under Rocco Mike. Rocco Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's still funny. And of course, the Rock Show podcast group page, which has been growing by leaps and bounds lately. I want to thank everybody that's joined. Um, and, uh, you know, every day we got a song of the day, song of the night, and people post some interesting stuff during the day. I get into it too, of course. I put on yeah, put a, lot, put of a lot of stuff on. Stuff on there. Yeah, That's amazing yeah. how much stuff people put yeah. on. Yeah, Dan Scott's another one. He puts a lot up there. Oh yeah. So, how about you, Rob? Where can we find you? Well, you can find me on anything getting lumped up. If you look lumped up, you're going to see my big head with a uh, sign that says beer. <laughs> and um, you can send me an email at uh, robrossi at gettinglumpedup.com and follow the Instagram, follow the Patreon, just follow the yellow brick world and you'll find me lumped up somewhere in a bar. Yeah, I'm probably right there with you. Yeah, not far behind. Not me. far behind you. <laughs> Maybe I'm just waiting to get out of work, but I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, thank you for another great episode. Fantastic information that uh, people should look up and research. And I'll be putting all the links and um, stuff where you can find this band and find the music. Awesome. Awesome. So for uh, the uh, rock show, thank you. And we see you next week. And what do we always say? Don't get drunk, get lumped up. See you next week. Take care, people. The only podcast you will hear. 
and it's only here on the rock show. Let's get pumped up on the rock show.